0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, JOY. Keep JOY on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse community.
1: Welcome to a JOYcast from JOY 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our JOYcasts.
0: Pets
2: Aloud, brought to you by the Lost Dogs Home on JOY 94.9.
3: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Pets Allowed, Joy's very own show about pets brought to you by the Lost Dogs Home. Thanks to the Checkpoint team for keeping us updated on all the goings on in the gaming world. I'm Kristen and I'll be keeping you company until five today. Joining me to talk all things pets and animals is Dr. Alan Bolton, General Manager of Vet Veterinary Services at the Lost Dogs Home. Alan, welcome back. Thank you. And it has been a, a very interesting and busy week for you, hasn't it's it? It's been a
1: hugely busy week. So we've had two visitors from the States. Um, so Trish McMillan-Lerr, who's a really well-known animal behaviourist who I think currently works in New York, and Cynthia Carsten, who's a vet who specialises in shelter medicine and works at the University of California, Davis. So, they've spent three days with us, um, kind of just looking at what we do, um, perhaps giving us some tips on how we can do things better, and just looking at how we move animals through the shelter, and how we keep them happy and healthy while they're there.
3: Sounds very fascinating, and it is, I guess, important as well that everyone works together and learns from each other. Absolutely.
1: So, they have I think they're spending out about a month in Australia. Um, they spent some time at the RSPCA before they came to us, and they left us last night, and they were on their way to south australia to adelaide oh, wow. to um spend some more time there at the animal welfare league and the rspca it
3: must be really fascinating to hear how things you know how animal welfare works over there and the similarities and the differences lots of
1: similarities and lots of differences i mean they have obviously and it varies from state to state but they have very different laws than we do here yeah, so course. They're able to do things that we sometimes can't do here. Um, And also they have a really different population of of animals. I mean, the shelters in California are full of chihuahuas and pit bulls, Um, whereas here we can't get enough chihuahuas.
3: <laughs> and um, later on in the year, we will be doing uh, a Pets Allowed show about animal welfare abroad as well. So keep your ears open for that yeah, one.
1: And actually, just that just triggered my mind. Just the week before that, I went to a conference in the UK. That's well, right. So I went back to visit my parents and my brothers, but I spent a couple of days in Birmingham at the um, Association of Dog and Cat Homes conference. So it's kind of been a bit of a whirlwind tour of... Um, Welfare around the world,
3: and uh, you visited the Battersea Dogs and I Cats did. Home as well, yep. didn't you? Yeah, I spent
1: um, an afternoon there, which was really interesting. Um, I guess because Battersea is kind of the sort of model that I think the Lost Dogs Home in Melbourne was was mm-hmm. based on um, and has tried to follow. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting.
3: And, uh, yeah, we do have an interview from uh, a team member at Battersea, so we will uh, be playing that a bit later on uh, in the year as well when we do our Animal Welfare Abroad show.
1: Yep. Yeah. But anyway, back to today. Um, May is National Photography Month, and so to celebrate, today's show is all about pet and animal photography. Photos are a great way to capture the special moments in our lives, and, of course, lots of these moments are shared with our furry and feathered friends.
3: Do you take photos of your pets?
1: I have to say I don't really take many photographs of anything. Um... When I was with my, my family for a week in the UK just recently, I think I took five photographs. I do occasionally take photographs of my dogs and cats, but what I tend to do more is I really enjoy drawing. So oh, wow. I draw them, um, and sometimes I use photographs to draw, but generally I just do like quick life drawings yep. from, from life. Oh, so. wow. But very, yeah, very take creative. some photographs
3: yes. Well I take so many photos that my, f- my phone is just full of pet photos To the point where I can't fit anything else on there And to find something I have to scroll through Thousands and thousands of photos of just dogs mm. <laughs> um, So today's show is packed full of photography tips And you will be hearing from some of the best So here's a little taste of what's coming up World renowned wildlife photographer Michael Snedek Will tell you how to make the most of our stunning wildlife
1: And if you've ever wondered what it's like to work as a pet photographer, Kerry Martin from Akemi Photography is going to tell you all about it.
3: And are you struggling to take good photos of your pet? Stay tuned for some handy tips on how to take the best happy snaps of your furry friend. All that plus our News Wrap, Pet of the Week and Dog Dates coming up on today's show. Now let's hear from Clean Bandit featuring Alex Newell with Stronger. This is Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9.
2: The Pets Allowed News Wrap. A look at the news of the week from the lost dog's home.
3: Now, Alan, would you like to tell us a bit about our only news item this week?
1: That's at the start of April, we called on you to help us find loving homes for 250 deserving felines before the end of the month. Adopt-a-thon kicked off on the 1st of April and throughout the month we waived the adoption fee for all adult cats and halved the adoption fee for kittens. We hope that this would encourage anyone who was thinking about getting a new pet to experience the unconditional love of an adopted shelter cat or kitten. You wasted no time in lending a helping hand to our cats and kittens in need. All of us at the Lost Dogs Home have been so overwhelmed and touched by the incredible support of cat lovers right across the state. Adopt-a-thon was off to such a fantastic start that we decided to increase our cat and kitten adoption goal from 250 to 350. And with your help, not only did we reach this goal, we smashed it. Throughout Adoptathon, an incredible 393 cats and kittens found loving new families. One of these felines was Bryce, who you may have heard about on Pets before. Bryce is a lovely cat who spent quite a lot of time up for adoption at our Campaspe shelter before he came down to North Melbourne. He spent more than 200 days up for adoption, which is a really long time to be without a family of his own. Needless to say, we were all thrilled when he went home with a lovely family last week.
3: I actually um, met... Bryce's family when they came in to adopt and mm-hmm. they are so lovely so it's a really lovely lady and three kids as well and we've seen some photos since then of Bryce cuddling up with the kids and it's going really well so Which that's because so it's so lovely to see it's
1: such a long time to wait around yeah absolutely
3: you know. and they specifically wanted an adult cat as well instead of a kitten so that's yeah.
1: so a quick recap of our 2016 adopt-a-thon 139 cats and 223 kittens were adopted from our North Melbourne shelter. 20 cats and 11 kittens were adopted from Campaspe. And you shared our Adoptathon thon post 818 times, reaching more than 106,000 Facebook users. So many of you supported Adopt-A-Thon, whether that was through adopting, fostering, or advocating. Without your support, 393 adoptions in just one month wouldn't have been possible, and lots of these cats and kittens would probably still be in our shelters right now. We have a steady flow of cats and kittens coming into us in need of shelter and care. Your help of achieving so many adoptions during Adopt-A-Thon has brought, provided much-need space in our shelters to accommodate these animals who have nowhere else to go. Adopt-a-thon has wrapped up for 2016, but many cats and kittens will still need your help, and there are still a few ways you can get involved and make a difference.
3: That's right. And so even though Adoptathon has ended, you, of course, still can come in to adopt a cat or kitten if you are ready for that lifetime commitment. Uh, um, please do consider opening your home and heart to one of our adoptable cats or kittens. You, you know, after all, we'll be giving them the best gift of all, which is a loving forever home. Now, our North Melbourne and Compassby shelters still have so many cats and kittens who do need new homes. And with so many available, there's a, a huge variety of personality types as well. So you are bound to find one who is perfect for you. Now, all of our adoptable cats and kittens do have profiles online and you can check them out at dogshome.com.
1: If you're not ready to care for a pet long term, why not become a foster carer? Foster carers provide temporary care for a cat or kitten in need of some TLC away from a shelter environment. They may be too young for adoption, they may be recovering for surgery, or just in need of some socialisation. As well as helping the individual animal, you'll be helping to create much needed space in the shelter. Foster care can last anywhere from two days to four weeks. All expenses are covered by the home, and you'll be contacted within two weeks of applying. For more information, please visit dogshome.com.
3: And another thing you can do, and this is super, super easy, is to simply spread the word. So if you know someone, maybe a family member or a friend or, or a workmate who's thinking about adopting, why not tell them that shelters like the Lost Dogs Home are full of wonderful adoption candidates? You can also pick out an adoptable pet and share their profile on your social media pages. So really quick and really easy. Um, and those are some of the ways you can help. And um, just back to Adopt a Thon, we received an update as well that we want to share with you from uh, a lovely lady named Jo who uh, brought her kids in to adopt uh, a cat. Um, so uh, they adopted Clive, so he was one of the 393 cats adopted throughout Adopt a Thon. And um, in her update, Jo said, I brought the kids in to try and find a cat to bring home and spoil. Clive was so gentle with the kids and not interested in running away. He loved cuddles and seemed like he would fit right in at our house. Clive has settled in so well, he sleeps a lot but still loves to play with the kids. And the thing we really love about Clive is that he snuggles in bed with us all night. He seems to make his way around the house and give everyone a turn. Clive loves his bed and he definitely loves food. Shelter pets make fantastic pets. One of the biggest reasons is that the staff know the personality of the cat and can help match them to a house that suits them the best. And so that's what Jo had to say about her cat. Lovely. Um, But we do have many uh, cats and dogs up for adoption. And uh, on that note, let's hear about our Pet of the Week.
2: This week's Pet of the Week.
3: So this week's pet of the week is Clyde. He's almost two years old and he's a gorgeous Kelpie Cross who is up for adoption at our Compass Bay Shelter. His ID is 1010548. Clyde is a stunning young Kelpie Cross who has energy to burn and is looking for a home with room to move. He has been brought up around kids and sheep and has proven to be a very gentle soul. Clyde can sometimes feel overwhelmed in your environments and it might take him some time to adjust, but with your encouragement and TLC, his beautiful nature will shine through. Now, uh, Clyde already has some basic manners under his belt and it won't take him long to learn more. He's, um, he has a very active mind and uh, is the perfect candidate for obedience training. Um, now, Kelpies are obviously very smart dogs and we're sure Clyde would love to show off just how smart he is. Clyde uh, is always on the go, so he'll need a home with a spacious yard and plenty of activities to keep him busy. And he'd also really like to get out and about a couple of times a week for a walk or maybe even a run. Uh, if you miss the ID number or just want further info, uh, look for Clyde on the Lost Dogs Home website, dogshome.com. You can also call our Compassby Shelter on five four eight zero three double zero five, or drop in uh, at 520 Mackenzie Road, Echuca.
1: Right, He looks like a real spunky chap, doesn't he? He does. He, he? certainly yeah. does. Australia has an abundance of picturesque landscapes and beautiful wildlife, perfect for t- photographers wanting to capture the finest of nature that our country has to offer. Coming up, we're going to hear from renowned wildlife photographer Michael Sneddick about his career and for tips on how to take great wildlife photographs.
2: Pets Aloud on Joy 94.9
1: Michael Sneddick is a world-renowned wildlife photographer with a career spanning 20 years. His subjects include wildlife, landscapes and insects, and his images have been published in numerous books and magazines, including Australian Geographic and Australian Photography. His work has also been displayed in the prestigious Wilderness Gallery in Cradle Mountain, Tasmania. Last year, Petzalow presenters Sam and Kate spoke to Michael to find out more about his career as a wildlife photographer and to get his tips on taking better nature photographs.
4: According to your bio, wasn't it actually until you were in your 30s that you decided to take up photography. Can you tell us a bit about what inspired you to make that type of change?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Basically, um, when I was a young boy, I was madly into nature, the environment, wildlife. It was a, a real passion of mine. And I started taking photos, I guess, as a hobby 19 years ago. So I'm 50 now. It started when I was 31. And the really good thing is it was a way to show family and friends, basically, some of the incredible experiences I was having. And Uh, It's now my career, it's what I do and I take photos across uh, Australia, overseas, present tours and I absolutely love what I do. I wake up in the morning and I love going to work.
4: Wow, you're one of the very few <laughs> lucky ones. I hear that all the time. It's been
2: a lot of work, but it's been well, well worth it.
4: I can imagine. Um, and I guess one of the highlights must have been in your, your fantastic, illustrious career is uh, assisting David Attenborough, You know, the the wonderful David Attenborough. Um, so uh, that must have been fabulous if you want to talk to us about that or any other sort of special or favourite moment that you've had so far in your career. And excuse my dog barking in the background.
2: That's all right. <laughs> it is called pet allowed.
4: It is, and... <laughs> Yep, they're very loud today.
2: You know, working when I was a young young kid, I mean, Mum would uh, call me in, and I would race in to watch the Attenborough docos. And
4: oh, brilliant. for
2: me to get to work with the man uh, up at a place called Lamington National Park, Gold Coast, Interland. I'm very in,
4: familiar with that. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm Queensland. I
2: lived and worked, and I got to work with the great man for two weeks up there on a documentary. And he's an absolute gentleman. He's passionate. He's interested in what I was doing. I mean, this is David Attenborough. It's yeah. It was an absolute highlight. And um, there have been so many. And I guess one of the, the, the great things that happened, and we all talk about our good old bucket list. And I achieved my all-time bucket list just a few months ago when I went to Rwanda in Africa. Uh, and I got wow. to see the mountain gorillas meters away. It was brilliant. An incredible experience. Loved it.
4: Oh, fantastic. No, that's, um, that, is, that makes me very envious right now. I'd love to do that. The combination yeah. of Lemmington National put, Park. Put it on your
2: list. It's yeah. one of the greatest things you can do. And even the, the money that you pay towards that goes back into the community and conservation. It's a win-win. I oh, love it. It's, it's a great. wonderful thing. That
4: is great. Now, aside from taking photographs of of wildlife, you're also um, an accomplished location and landscape photographer. Can you tell us a bit about your favourite place in the world to photograph?
2: Oh, gosh, okay. I think Africa as a whole. I've been a few times now and I'm heading again next year and Africa as a whole is unbelievable. Places like Okavanga Delta are brilliant. Um, I'm also heading to Antarctica in January and then Arctic in... June I've got an amazing time coming up and uh I haven't yeah. been there but but basically running photo tours and uh it's uh it yeah I think Africa would have to be one of the the, the most amazing places and in Australia I love a lot of Tassie. I really love Tasmania it's uh we have got so many beautiful locations, but there are mm. many, many great places.
4: Yeah, I mean, the world's an amazing place, as they say. say yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are your five top tips for any, um, any potential and budding wildlife photographers out there? Um, can any of these be sort of carried over to someone wanting just to get the best possible photograph of their pet as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. As much as I photograph wildlife, I don't um, specialise in pets. These, these tips that I'll give... I mean, definitely can, can, you know, come across to um, when you're photographing, uh, you know, cats, dogs, etc. The first one would be focusing on the eyes or the eye, really important. And it not only makes for the photo, but also they say that, uh, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. And if you focus on the eye, if it's side on or the eyes of your cat or dog or any wildlife uh, or any other pet, it really does make for a good photo. Um, if you can photograph in um, what I call diffused lighting, overcast, a lot of people think that's odd, but it stops all the really harsh shadow, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: and it makes it so much, I guess, nicer, and that goes for, for people as well. Um, watch your background. Another tip, uh, people get so excited by what they're photographing as subject. And then you'll get this telegraph <laughs> hole or a stick coming out of the top <laughs> of the head or you'll get somebody doing a photobomb or something yeah. like that, which I think is really quite funny. Yeah. So just watch your background. Um, also, if the subject you're photographing is facing, say, either left or right, mm. keep room in the direction. Leave room in the direction that it's facing. Okay. So it doesn't look like it's kind of squashed up against the wall. Yeah. And then it's like, um, I wonder what you know, that animal is looking at. And that's really an, an important one. Um, and I'd say the fifth one would be patience. Above all, have patience. <laughs> I
4: think
2: you have to agree because, there. Yeah. yeah. I, I do a lot of bird photography and guess what birds do? They fly. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and don't so come back. Had a, had a yeah. run, so you've got to be following them. And, yeah, it's yeah, patience is something I've learned through my 19 years of photography. You, yeah. you really have to be patient.
3: That was world-renowned nature and wildlife photographer Michael Sneddick sharing his tips on how to take the best wildlife photos. Now, if you want more info about Michael or would like to see some of his stunning photos, you can visit his website at michaelsneddick.com. For many pet owners, capturing special moments with our beloved four-legged friends is really important. Coming up next, you'll hear what it's like uh, being a pet photographer.
2: Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9
3: On today's show, we're taking a closer look at pet and animal photography. Now, pet's play a big part in many households after all they are part of the family so it's no surprise that pet photography is becoming more and more popular in fact these days many pet owners call on professional photographers to capture photos of their pets in 2014 pets allowed presenters alan and oz caught up with kerry martin pet photographer and owner of Akemi photography to find out what life's like as an animal photographer
1: kerry can you give us a sense of what a typical day as a pet photographer is like for you
0: Wow. (laughs) There's actually no such thing as a typical day. We're working with animals, so every day can be a little bit mixed and varied, and it all depends on the animal that we're photographing. Um, Each has very independent natures often, and so we're going off what they want to do and and their nature in determining how we're going to photograph them.
1: And do you tend to go to their homes, or do they come to your studio, or is it a mixture of both, depending on...?
0: So there's two options. You come into the studio, or often we'll go out to location if it has meaning Um, Mm. not so often inside people's homes but more out in a park or a place that has special meaning they might take their dog there every day for a walk or their dog loves the beach or loves the snow and that's where we go with them
4: Now, I remember my family portrait being taken at a shopping centre back in 1993. Um, I remember I was wearing something really typical to the 90s, but it was a really stuffy photo, you know, with that really horrible, do you remember that grey background, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone looked uncomfortable. But family photos
0: are very different these days um, and they involve pets as well. They do. I've found that pets are the best accessory. <laughs> you can't help but be yourself if your dog's giving you a big lick on the face or, you know, you want to snuggle them. And they actually help people relax beautifully in oh. photos and they're the most candid results that you get. Mm-hmm. And so
4: many people are hanging these photos up in their lounge rooms of not only themselves with their pets but their pets on their own.
0: It, yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, one, of your particular, one particular subject you love photographing is your own pet, I believe. So I do Who do you have?
0: I've got a Japanese spitz named Kiko He's very much my muse And he is how it all started So it was through taking photos of him And all of his adorable antics But I then sort of wanted to do that more and more And people started finding me To ask me to do that for them as well mm. And through that I mean you're, you're in touch with so many pet owners And
4: so many different types of pets What have you learnt about humans and, and animals
0: and, and that bond pet people are the best kind of people (laughs) yes (laughs) that might be that (laughs) that I relate to them really well but they're also they have a lovely nature um you know if you can look after your pet um beautifully it sort of says something about the kind of person that you are Mm. um so I often find that I relate really well to people that love their animals um I have the same same feelings for my pets and so they're wonderful Mm. And um, you mentioned something about a frog
4: (laughs) we're we're going to wear And I I kind of missed it But I just heard frog Don't tell me you actually photographed someone's pet frog
0: I did It was a first It was Tuesday this week um, And it was a dog named Zach An older golden retriever The cat's name was Froggy And then we had two froggies Lime and Bertie So we had three frogs in the studio um, And that was definitely (laughs) fun Gosh. And, and so, um, you know, how do you, how do you work with a frog? How do you get the personality of a frog? Um, it was a little bit of trial and error. Mm. This is the first time the first I'd first time. photographed a mm-hmm. frog. Um, fortunately, they all got along really well, so we were able to have some fun with where we put the frogs, um, but mindful of the fact that we had to look after them. There was always water and, and they're... Tank nearby. Mm. Um, We also (laughs) had to watch the cat because the cat liked to play with them, not with Mm -hmm. evil intent, just because they hop. Um, So it was all done Mm. under very close supervision, but it was great fun. And um, there's quite a few funny outtakes where the frogs are just springing in every direction (laughs) because they don't know command sit, stay, and drop like our dog.
1: No, I was going to say I don't think you can train a frog, can you? Well.
0: Never say never. No, I don't
4: know. There <laughs> I'm might sure be a there is someone trainer. out there, Alan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Kevin would have Maybe something
1: can... <laughs> to say about that, wouldn't he? he keeps <laughs> totally <frogs>. would.
4: <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin is our um, anchor of the program, and he is well into training his his dogs. But um, yeah, he's he's developed interest with training in general. So. Mm. We'll, we'll have to direct that, that question to <laughs> yeah. him. But um, talking about uh, trying to manage your subjects, this is one of the key questions that we've um, received when we put the call out to our listeners and Facebook users. Kerry, are you happy to stick around just to wave your magical photography wand and, and work out solutions to bad pet photos?
0: Certainly <laughs> am.
1: That was pet photographer and owner of Akemi Photography, Kerry Martin, talking to me and Oz about her life as a pet photographer. Coming up next, Kerry is going to troubleshoot some of your common pet photography issues and give you some tips on how to get the most out of photographing your pet.
2: Pets Allowed on Joy
3: 94.9 Today we're taking a close look at the big world of pet and animal photography. Now earlier you heard from Kerry Martin from Akemi Photography who spoke about her experience as a pet photographer. We're going to rejoin Alan and Oz as they talk to Kerry about some of your common pet photography issues uh, and to get some tips for all pet owners so you can take better photos of your companion.
1: Earlier in the week, we did put out the call to listeners and our Facebook users to send in pet photos of theirs that have gone slightly wrong. Mm-hmm. So, And we got a whole selection, didn't we?
4: Well, up the top, I think, was the red eye and uh, beaming eye photos uh, that a lot of people had.
0: Now, what, what would result... In that, what are we doing wrong? So that green glowing eye that you see in pets is the same as red eye in humans and that's the light source being reflected back in the cameras picking that up mm. so that in most circumstances is a flash that's sitting on top of your camera and that's just bouncing straight back from the, the pet's eye. Um, to avoid that you might want to change your light source so instead of using on-camera flash move to a window that's got a lot mm. of light or even head outdoors because the natural light you won't get that. Um, you could also also use something different to a flash, like maybe a lamp or overhead lights, and then don't use the flash and you won't get that reflection captured back in your photo. So if you're taking a photo in the evening and you can't use natural light source, use
4: a lamp, as you said.
0: You might, or you can also, depending on your camera, you might be able to adjust the settings so that you don't need to use the flash. Mm. Because that's
1: really true, isn't it, now with digital photography... It's you need a, a flash it, so much less often, don't you, really?
0: Yeah, the current cameras have such good capabilities, and so you can get away with not using the flash. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you need to have a bit of a steadier hand <laughs> because mm-hmm. um, the shutter will open for longer, but it's certainly worth trying, and you'll figure out the limitations of your camera and the light situation if you just play around and experiment. And for me, it might just be a personal preference, but I think flash makes photos look colder. In a way, if if they're used, if it's used in the wrong way, like natural light adds so much more depth to a photo? It does. So a flash is going to fill every space with the same flat light, particularly mm. if it's mounted on your camera. So there's no depth, there's nothing there. Whereas if you're using natural light, you'll get drop-off as you move away from that light source mm. that helps to bring... The subject well into focus. Well, thank you to uh, Oz, well, myself, <laughs> for contributing <laughs> Jeff's
4: <laughs> terrible photo. And I've got to say, the background on that is horrific <laughs> that I've utilised there. But also Sarah Chadwick, who's uh, from Joy herself. Uh, Vanessa, um, sorry, pronunciation's a, a bit off here, but Melinquine uh for sending through her darling Molly's photograph, who doesn't actually have naturally green eyes. It's just uh, the flash there. So hopefully uh, that advice has been helpful for you. Now, the next one, uh, my daughter. Or,
0: cat is more interested in sniffing the camera rather than posing for the camera. So, quite often when we get down to take photos at eye level with our dogs, they get very curious as to what we're doing down there and they think it's time to play. (laughs) And that's so they're coming up because that's their natural response usually when you're down it's playtime. So, this might be the occasion to get somebody else involved. So you could have somebody else that's getting your dog to stay while you're taking the photos or alternatively have somebody else take a photo while you're actually playing with your dog. The connection that you have together is going to be a magical photo as well. That sounds
4: good. Or like a squeaky toy or something behind the camera, would you say?
0: Well, that will probably encourage them to come to you more. Mm. So you you more want them to have a reason not to come up to you. So that might be another person um, that might be using toys to get them to stay a little bit of distance, but their natural inclination is going to be to approach you. It can also come down to simply training your dog. If they know sit, stay and drop, then you're going to have a far better chance of even creating a second in which you can take the photo before they approach you. Mm, so that's another, we'll be talking about training and the advantages of training later in the program, so
4: there you are.
1: And the next one's kind of related, is which, which is help, my dog or cat won't sit still. <laughs> I can kind of believe that.
0: Yeah and
4: that results in (laughs) blurry photos.
0: Yeah. So how do we we combat that? Lots of animals. I mean part of the reason we love them is they're joyful and they're playful and they're out and about doing things but it can make it difficult to take those photos. Um, One trick is to wait for the times where they're naturally less active. So I know for my dog after dinner all he wants to do is rest on the couch or else curl up on the bed and so that for me is a really good time to capture him because he's not going to be moving quite quickly quickly when he wakes up. Um, The other alternative is to use a shutter speed that's faster and then capture what they're doing mid-movement, but it'll freeze it so that you haven't got the blurry photo, you've just got the action of what's happening. Terrific. I think, I mean, there are
4: a couple of things that we can certainly do... Very quickly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And um, just lastly, (laughs) I love this one. Uh, Martha, uh, our manager uh, in the comms department, sent me a photograph of uh, her cat Lily. who's uh, Well, it's hard to tell where the cat starts and and finishes because um, she's got her propped up on a a rug that is the same colour as her actual body. Yeah. Uh, so sh- her question
0: is: How do we make sure that there's better contrast in photos? So you've got options if you're going to go into f- taking a photo with a bit of. Uh, pre-thought so you could then move the cat or introduce something that's a different color as the background so you might um, put out a different bedspread or a blanket for the cat to sit on which is a different color from the cat or the dog Um, and the other alternative is once you've taken your photo to use um, an an app that you can get or free Mm. online editing to boost the contrast and boost the colors and that will give you some higher contrast in your photo to help your pet stand out
1: That was pet photographer and owner of Akemi Photography, Kerry Martin, talking to me and Oz and troubleshooting some of your common pet photography issues. You can find out more about Akemi Photography at akemiphotography.com.au. That's A-K-E-M-I. So yeah, have a look. If you struggle to take good photos of your pet, you're definitely not alone. Up next, we will share some handy tips to help you master the art of pet photography. This is Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9. If you share your life with a pet, you probably snapped quite a few photos of them over the years. Hundreds of thousands, maybe. You don't need to be a professional photographer to capture great pet photos. It can be tricky and test your patience at times, but as with many things, practice makes perfect. By knowing your subject and equipment and being patient, you'll be setting yourself up for success. May is National Photography Month, so we thought it was the perfect time to share some tips on how to take great pet photos that will be the envy of your family, friends and social media followers. So let's go!
3: Okay, so tip number one is know your equipment. Now, this might sound like a bit of an obvious one, but it really does set the foundation for taking great pet photos. So get to know your equipment before you start. Um, If you use a smartphone, the cameras on those are pretty um, simple to use and seem to do a lot of the work for you. And I guess the best part about using a smartphone is that it's probably with you most of the time anyway, so it's always handy if, you know, that spontaneous moment does come up. Um, but if you prefer a, a digital camera or a DSLR camera, um, these will have an automatic setting that can make things a bit easier for you. Um, a lot of them also have um, a variety of other settings. Like, for example, there's portrait settings, which is perfect for close-up shots of your pet's face. Um, it might also have a sport setting, which can be great for capturing those action shots. So maybe your dog's going for a run at the beach or, or something like that. Now, um, even though the automatic or pre-selected settings can um, set you up for the kind of shot you're after, it still doesn't hurt to familiarise yourself with the manual settings and how they work, because then you can really make sure that you're making the most of your camera's capabilities.
1: Uh, The next thing really is to take advantage of natural lighting. Um, Bright photos are the most eye-catching. And they really highlight your pet's features, and nothing achieves this better than natural lighting. So just be mindful of the sun's position. Um, You don't want your photos to be impacted by shadows or harsh sunlight beaming right in. If you have an indoor pet or you're taking photos when the weather isn't at its best, a well-lit indoor area should be the trick. Keep in mind that flash doesn't always work with pet photos. Using flash can wash out your pet's features and give them that sort of reflective eye that we talked about earlier.
3: Um, and on that note our third tip is to really focus on the eyes so the eyes are the window to the soul as they say so wait for your pet to look directly at the camera or at the very least make sure they are facing the camera Um, sometimes an element of surprise can be the key here so you know let your pet go about their their business and when they're in the right position try making um, making a noise to attract their attention and be ready to take the photo because their, their attention might not last very long.
1: And I guess what we're really trying to do is capture their character. The most endearing photos are the ones that show off your pet's true character, because that's what makes them so special and unique. Um, Do they like to play? Do they like to run, cuddle or swim? Capture photos of your pet at their happiest and environment where they feel most comfortable.
3: And tip number five is to get down on their level. So the most engaging photos are often those that are taken at the animal's eye level at kind of you know looking at it from their perspective as well, rather than taking those photos from above that can make your pet look really small and doesn't really help you know highlight their features, um and photos taken from their eye level also gives a much more accurate depiction of their features and their size as
1: well. And then you need to remember that patience is a virtue. Capturing the perfect photo takes time, so be patient with your pet. Remember that they may not understand, well, they don't understand exactly what you want from them. Don't become frustrated because your pet will sense this and start to tense up. Um, Sometimes the best photos come from simply waiting and observing. And I guess to add to that, I would do, you know, do lots of little blocks, don't.
3: Absolutely. You know,
1: don't keep going and going and going. Yeah, until when your they, pet when gets they get sick, sick of it, yes. give them a break.
3: Which brings us to our seventh and final point, which is have fun. So, photographing your pet should be an enjoyable experience for both of you. Relax, have fun, enjoy your time together, and capture great memories in the process. Now, positive reinforcement is important, so remember to praise your pet. Uh, and also, very important, never to punish your pet. This is not effective and it can cause distress. So, please do not punish your pet. Now if you notice your pet starts to get a bit sick of it, maybe they're a bit restless or uncomfortable, just give them a break and keep taking photos maybe later on in the day or even another day. There's, you know, plenty of time for that. The last thing you want is to cause any stress to your pet.
1: Um, We hope these tips will help you capture great photos of your pet. If you missed any of them or want to refer to them later, we can put them on our website at dogshome.com.
3: Now, we have almost reached the end of another show, but before we go, we're going to update you on some pet-friendly events coming up in your area. That's up next in Dog Dates. This is Pets Allowed on Joy 94.9.
4: At Joy 94.9 there are approximately 300 volunteers bringing you over 75 shows 24 hours per day 7 days a week That's a lot of facts and figures to take in but here's one more number for you to think about 1-300-569-949 That's the number to call to talk to the Joy sales team about becoming a Joy sponsor One phone call can get your business on air and online reaching thousands of Joy listeners at a price you can afford 1-300-JOY-949 That's 1-300-569-949
3: Your pet's community calendar
2: This is Dog Dates
3: Now, Alan, would you like to tell us uh, about our first dog date?
1: So that's the Lost Dogs Home Adoption and Microchipping Day, um, which is Saturday the 14th of May from 10 to 2 at Bunnings Echuca, which is on Ogilvy Avenue. Some of the humans and canines from our Compassby shelter will be out and about at Bunnings Echuca next Saturday. Um, you can come and meet some of our adoption candidates and chat to us about adoptions, volunteering and foster care. You'll also be able to take advantage of discounted microchipping.
3: And our second dog date is the RSPCA Million Paws Walk, which is happening on Sunday the 15th of May, and there are 17 different walk locations across Victoria. So the RSPCA's biggest fundraising event is back in its 21st year. The Million Paws Walk is a big event on the canine calendar. So join the RSPCA and walk to fight animal cruelty at the Million Paws Walk. Register online and help raise vital funds for animals in need. There will be lots of activities and entertainment on the day for you and your pooch to enjoy. For more info and to register, visit millionpawswalk.com.au. And that brings us to the end of another show. Time flies, doesn't it, Ellen?
1: It certainly does.
3: Um, before we go, just a quick reminder, our pet of the week is Clyde, a gorgeous Kelpie Cross who's up for adoption at our Compass Bay Shelter. Um, his ID is 1010548, um, and if you want to learn more about him, you can visit dogshome.com. Coming up next is Aaron bringing you the latest indie and alternative hits with SAS. Sass. If you missed the show today, don't worry. You can podcast it via our profile page at joy.org.au slash petsaloud. Thank you for joining us and don't forget to walk your dogs. I'm Patrick cats. This is Pets Aloud on Joy
1: 94.9. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9.
2: Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air